We say what they can't radio. Gentlemen, 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 again, we are here. Don't blink, think, don't blink, think. Are you ready? And we have a special guest. Yes, sir. We'll have you introduced very shortly. But don't blink, think. I want you to think about this like this. You have the opportunity to have all the power of, of all three legislative branches, <clears throat> legislation, judicial, and executive. Or you don't have all the power. However, you get the final final signature on the documents that must go out in each branch. Which one you want? All the power or the final signature? That's the basic. Don't blame things. Oh. All the power or the final signature? What do you want, gentlemen? Who I, do you want to I be? Want, can I ask a question? Oh, oh so okay. without the signature, like it don't go. Is what you're saying? Without the signature, it don't go. But you remember. Think about power. What will power so do? Gotta, they I, can manipulate your signature, my, my brother. Question, well, my thing is, if I got the signature, I got the power, right? Even if you can manipulate it. So that means I can make some amendments. That, that's the twist, my brother. Okay. You see the show power. You know about life itself today. You know how power scheme. Power don't just let nothing happen with itself. You may sign the signature that way, man, but you have a document that got the signature on the same as sheet of paper. And it looked like your signature because of power. But the agenda does get fulfilled. It depends. <laughs> I'm going for the signature. Right? Yeah, I'm going for the signature too. Uh, I, at first, I was going to go for the signature because you guys went for the signature. I'm going for the power. You man. have to be different. Why though? Why I have to. Power, I have brother? to because Why that's what power? when Why you have power? power, you have to be different. I think that it, this is, and you know, honestly, I've been watching a lot of uh, the about the monarchies. Right. So okay. when you're saying you well, have you love this- that queen, the queen. Well, you, you I know, right? You British, yeah. 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 I am British. What about British now? Bro? <laughs> no. So when you think about that, the power of the monarchy, right? It's like you have all of it. Well, and and uh, not not now, but before, when the monarchy was what dominated the government, right? It was the form of gov- government. There's a lot of power that you possess as the king or queen, right? As a royal, as the leader of the royal household, and you make decrees based on what's best for your people and you have to be as objective as possible right and you can't be you can't rule by emotions you can't rule by feelings you have to rule by what's needed to be done the absolute is right it's talking. like no matter who's like somebody somebody's going to be hurt either way somebody's going to be happy either way but you have to remove yourself just like queen mother mary right told queen elizabeth when she ascended <laughs> to the throne she said you are now imp- you have to be impartial you are no longer who Queen Elizabeth Windsor. You are now you, you know, Elizabeth Regalia. Yo, we you know, really you, gotta, you know you're a part of the We really right? have to and get you know it. Made me think of, exactly. think of like Abraham Lincoln technically had the power and the signature. Yeah, I guess. I would. That's why. That's why they. That's why they cuz. They dealt with cuz with that hand too. Hey, and I say this: to whom much is given, much is required, gentlemen. And so, me taking that power in terms of, I think, just having the signature signature makes you a figurehead. Actually, having the power to rule and govern, and being mindful that yo, I'm ruling and governing with pure intentions. 
yo, I think there's no, there's, there's nothing better than that. Ain't Especially that the, the option. Ain't mm. that the opposite around though? Because like when I think power, right? I think like the president of the United States. Maybe continue. And if you got the president of the United States, he technically not the one, and he don't have the last signature in real life. I remember I yeah. said you got the power of all three branches though. But do you really have the power of all three branches? Remember, this is the fictitious world that I created with the power of my voice, Listen. my brother. This is my artistic That's the reason expression. Why I'm going, I'm going, if I wanted uh, to produce this as a TV show, which way would you have? Which way man, would you have? Politics is so crooked with me, man. That's, that's what I'm going. That's for. what I wanted you to think about. So I'm going with signature all the way. You do. You, you don't really have the power. Do you want me to speak? Yeah. Do y'all want my? T- do y'all want? No. Me? Okay. Well, we, got, <laughs> we ain't got time for it. All right. We thank you. Time for it. Thank you for tuning in to the Ghetto Profit Podcast, the podcast with three male black educators from book, 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 Boston, Atlanta, and Brooklyn come together to discuss and argue everything and anything affecting us this week. And today we have a special guest. Mr. Jamal Thomas. Jamal, yeah, tell him, yeah, tell, yeah, tell our yeah, viewers yeah. where you from, man. Yeah, I'm from Gary, Indiana. Oh, Indiana. Like, from this little small town, you know, just like it's right over there in the cut. Ain't that where Michael Jackson from? Right down there, Chicago. Ain't Michael really Jackson Chicago. from there? Michael Jackson from there. That's right. That's, right. Right. that's dope, man. That's right. Been moonwalking in them streets for years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up, Wait, man. he's from Indiana? Yeah. 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 I didn't know that. Because oh, yeah. it's... Quiet town in, in yeah. Indiana. Yeah. So, so Jamal, <laughs> Jackson lived in the hood in real life. Real talk. So Jamal, it's how we usually we usually start off our podcast by just saying, you know, what we done the past week. But this last week was very special week. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. you know. But before that, um, tell the viewers a little bit about yourself. You know? I mean, uh, I technically just moved from Brooklyn. I, I appreciate y'all getting this thing started yeah. out here in Brooklyn. I just moved to Chicago, uh, doing a little assistant principal for a middle school. I was just working in Uncommon last year, uh, five years, teaching algebra, grade-level lead, instructional lead, really trying to dive my head and climb this little educational ladder that we all call ourselves being on right now. Um, other than that, man, we've been on this small little mission of trying to impact you. That's what's up, man. That's, that's what's up. So tell us, what you did for Valentine's Day? The truth, man, when y'all asked me that early, I was actually really sitting over here busting my brain, like, really, what did I do? But it was All-Star Weekend. It was All-Star Weekend. Uh, because it was All-Star Weekend, uh, I'm a part of this program or this organization called CHAMPS, which is culturally helping uh, and mentoring, making positive success. Yeah, culturally helping and making positive success. Uh, and we pretty much got an opportunity to mentor some kids. Uh, Matt Tinker Hatfield, he spoke with one of the uh, organization founders, and it was cool. We got to see that conversation, got to hoop with the kids, and really, you know, Mingle and chill out with some of the celebrities from All Star Weekend. It was it was cool. So I right, that's all good, man. That's yeah. all positive. That's that's positive energy right there. But nothing romantic, man. Nah, man, wasn't no time, man. That was, <laughs> that, was, that was the whole day. For Ain't real. got time for these. <laughs> that was the whole day, man. I took all. Look, I had to have a half a day just to do it, man. Ooh, that was man. literally the whole day. Uh, so here's here's my next question for you. You went to Morehouse, right? I did. Why did you pick Morehouse over Howard? Bro, that is foolish. Is it that is not on here. That is not move. It's all good, man. It's perfectly fine, man. I, I don't, so are you are you opposed to the question, Terry? Listen, bro, I, I'm interested too. I'm I, exactly. I, mean, I got a simple answer. What's up? God's plan. Hey, man, Jamal. I love you. I felt that in my... I, I love your honesty, bro. Thank you, thank you for starting this off. <laughs> I, I love that. Man. It, I, can't, I can't argue with it. I can't. Yeah. I can't. I got a plan. Everybody got a plan. Well, for me on Valentine's Day, I 
I didn't do anything. I, I was at a <coughs> momentum all weekend. What? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. I mean, fell in love with yourself, brother. Went to work. Then. I mean, you can fall in love with momentum. I tried. You gotta know. <laughs> you have to. You have to know the problems first, bro. You have to know the problems. We was figuring them out together, so I figured like I figured it would work. <laughs> gotta be careful. Unhealthy. This ain't about me. You have to be this careful. About, hey, hey, it's nothing wrong with accepting your problems and working together. That's facts. That's facts. All right, Tyreek, what you do? Hmm. Well, for Valentine's Day, I went to work. I uh, had some fun there at work. I uh, went out with a bunch of people from work. I uh, had some, um, had a couple drinks, just, just hung out. And then that evening, yeah, I went home, I chilled. And honestly, I had some really powerful conversations. Well, just one in particular. Powerful. With a powerful yeah. yeah. Just one and moment? Yo, just, just, just one. Just one. Just a powerful, really powerful, uh, a powerful conversation in terms of body language. How? No, no. Just. No, <laughs> 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 man. Come on. Not you know, I had a really good conversation smart, where you, the idea of defining the relationships that you mm. have and what you want in your space and what you don't want in your space. You did all this talk about the woman. Is she going to be with you? No, we're not. That's the okay. good thing about it. That it's healthy. It's a good mindset. Like, And who would have known that on Valentine's Day that would happen? You know what I mean? Just That's I a healthy conversation. Yo, it's a healthy conversation. Because what happens is, yo, I make, I'm having a healthy conversation like this that it needed to be had. And I initiated it. But at the end of the day, yo, this Valentine's Day wasn't. Like somewhere, something where I was romantic with another woman yeah, or just, yeah. you know, but at the end of the day, hey, it's setting me up so that eventually I'm going to have in my life exactly who needs to be in my life. That's I, what's up. And who's good, not, man. who's, who I, doesn't need to be I there. I learned how I had, important Valentine's Day actually I had a, was this Valentine's Day. I had a, um, in real life. <laughs> a Valentine's uh, weekend. I really learned. You know why? Because I was. I had the God saw fit. You talking about plans by God. Okay. God saw fit that on Thursday. Thursday morning, I get to go home. So we could we could summarize that none of us did anything much. romantic on Valentine's nope, Day. No, because then Friday, I woke up Friday, and then God saw fit that I didn't have to go to work at all. <laughs> I thought I worked with you. God left you to because be Because right you said yourself. you went out for drinks, but I realized, you know what? Man. No, I was free of charge that day. Yes, did he invite you? To, to work to, to, the, to, to the work I yeah didn't, I didn't work that day so I don't know if I was invited for the drink I didn't need to work I mean why do you always do that do what Mark tries to position me. up I saw it yeah he always day, try to, yeah he's always trying to position me as the person who doesn't invite people I mean but we all got something in common we 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 always you know well <laughs> but let me exactly. help y'all out because you know you know what this next section you know? is you know it man you know our it. section that's our favorite section because we love these powerful 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 beings on this earth mm-hmm. it's kings supporting queens. And go ahead, Mars. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll start with Skylar Diggins with the, the trade that, sh- that was just made for her, Brittany Griner being on the same team. It's, it's, it's on. Like, I love, I love women's basketball. Like, right. honestly, women's basketball was legit because if I, when I coach basketball, what I would make my teams do is you would actually have to watch a lot of WNBA. You know why? Because WNBA is the most fundamental. And when I say they they so fundamental that the finesse is built through fundamentals, so it looks so good. It's like, like watching a t- uh, watching a whole bunch of San Antonio Spurs playing. Nah, it get a little. It's it's saucy. San it's, Antonio Spurs it's are saucy. fundamental team. They are, but it's a little saucier depending on what team you're watching. But yes, but like women's basketball gets to the technicality of the game. And they really are skilled at it. They really are some of the best. So shout out to Skylar Diggins for that. All right, man. Go ahead, uh, the queen and I'm going to put, uh, put up on the most high. 
uh, it's actually a woman I spent over the weekend with at Momentum who was leading my Momentum journey. And mm. shout out to Sylvia High. Mm. Uh, there's so many things that you that you don't know as a as a person. Like, is there's more to life than just waking up in the morning and just doing the basic things, going to work, feeding yourself, you know, doing a regular nine to five, then going back home, going to sleep. It's like she deep she deep dives into your like your problems. Yeah. Right. And I remember I was up there telling my story and I think after every third sentence she would like stop me. She'll correct me what I'm saying. And on top of that, she'll ask me a question whether so not what have you learned, what are you gonna do to change? Right. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do to move forward? Uh it's like, you know, there's like a trust activity. There's a red and black game. But listen, all that I Listen, she she opened my eyes for those four day sessions, mm. and you know I wish I could talk more about it. It's just an like an experience I would actually just recommend for everyone wow. who hasn't experienced momentum education. But shout out to Sylvia High, that's amazing. Yeah. So let me shout out. It's actually two queens that I want to shout out. They're actually starting a nonprofit, um, and it's entitled Queen and Me. And uh, Delia Rose and Amber Petrus, these are two young women, two young black queens who are out there getting ready to change the world, man. I think mentoring um, is very uh, impactful. I think having the ability to actually take what you know and pour it into the next generation mm-hmm. is something that is valuable and oftentimes goes overlooked. And sometimes we, we this this quote that says, don't die. And take all your gifts with you. They say the most, the richest place on the earth, the most, the place with all the dreams and all the the unwritten books and all the unstarted businesses and all the inventions that were never created is in the graveyard because people die with so much within. And so these two queens, Amber Jazz Petrus and Adelia Rhodes, are starting an organization called Queen and Me. And it's about birthing out the queen and other young women. And so I want to give them that opportunity to shout them out this afternoon and just say, y'all, keep hope alive, baby. Keep hope alive and keep doing what you're doing. My powerful sure. young black sisters. Jamal, what's up, man? Man, I, I don't, man, I don't think I could top top a lot of what y'all said. I think I'm thinking more personal. Uh, uh, I think I need to give a shout out to my moms, man. Uh, in real life, I think uh, y'all can hear me. Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been in the last few months. I've been kind of watching how she's been growing, and I guess, and me being able to build certain relationships with my siblings yeah. and seeing how she's growing her business of having a daycare and doing foster care, and um, I don't know, like the how giving she is. Like I think uh, has really stood out to me over the past few months, um, and I think that's that's just powerful. Like she raised me, so for her to still have all this energy and love to continually. Give, 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 give. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's uh, inspiring, man. Yeah, that's so, lovely, man. Yeah, shout out to, a shout out to our queens, man. We'll forever shout you out. We've shout you guys out every day, twenty four seven, three sixty five. <laughs> every prophets, second, the prophets every love you. minute. The prophets love you. We, we love, love it, man. We love you. Really. Uh, again, shout out to our supporters, man. Thank you for tuning in for episode number six, if I'm not mistaken. Episode oh, yeah. number six. Yeah, yeah, we on uh, Oh, today we have a, a great topic to talk mm-hmm. about, right? Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> If you guys haven't noticed, uh, or yeah, Zoom uh, checked in on Netflix, uh, the Who Killed Malcolm X documentary. Mm. Uh, Killed him. Oh my goodness. Listen, I am five episodes in. 
And I mean, it's things that I've already knew prior, mm-hmm. but Abdul Rahman, man, like his like intentions, like he is not letting this go, mm-hmm. and I, and it's making me happy because if any other per, I, if it wasn't for him, then this wouldn't happen, right? Right? We wouldn't know. Uh, his grind, and he's like a regular person. He went to college, but. He he said he's not all up into that fancy life. He's like really into his history. So for him trying to find the person who really killed Malcolm X and the nonstop, man, I wish he would continue on more than six episodes for that, to be honest, because there's more to it. And I feel like that that documentary that haven't covered everything. Also, Uh, so guys. What do y'all think about this a documentary? Mm. Right? It's it's deep. I don't want to start it because I have a lot to say. Jamal, uh, I want to start off with you, man. I think it was powerful. I think uh, it revealed a lot of stuff, like you said, that we already knew. Um, I think what stood out to me the most was more so like the the excerpts and speeches they kept giving throughout the documentary of just who he stood up stood for, more so than like who killed him. Um, I think. There was a mission that he was genuinely trying to get get across that a lot of, I think, as we've grown into our future that we missed. And that was, like, the dependency on European-American. And I think throughout those excerpts and seeing, like, dang, like, I'm, I was excited, too. Like, yo, I'm glad my man is really diving into this. Because even with him diving into the list, to be honest, like, we, in 2020, we really not going to know the truth. But the the question is, do we believe what what they are saying about Malcolm X and how he actually died. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely mm-hmm. the government. No questions asked. Like, that's scary to say, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, maybe one of us next. Like, who knows? But definitely the government. Um, and I think if you look through history, you'll see how a lot of our black leaders, I, I think, conspiracy, if you want to go conspiracy, down this conspiracy road, like, they took out the people that were speaking the truth to us, um, i.e. why Dr. King went so quick. Y'all never hear about the poor man's campaign. Uh, and I put a period on that. Mm. I mean, I mean, so to add, I mean, and we gonna dive into it, but we gotta mention his name, J. Edgar Hoover. I mean, we, we want you can't not you cannot <sighs> not mention politics like this. It's it's a political right. game we talking about. It's like political chess for real, for real. I mean, I'm doing history and like being a history teacher and starting to pride myself more and calling myself a historian. And when you really look into the Stanford History Group with that at Stanford University and like that sector of like what it means to trans transcribe historical education at this point. When I think about it, it's really interesting to me that it's like, yeah, the government did it. What you mean? Because if you watch the show, it shows documented transcription of J. Edgar Hoover saying, we got to do something about Malcolm X. We got to do something about Malcolm X. We don't need a black messiah Leading the next black nationalist movement. That's on documented, transcribed paperwork. Elijah Muhammad That's was on saying that the same document. Thing too. Oh yeah, Who Elijah Muhammad was saying the same thing too. But I mean, so if you, but you want to talk about it being the government, the NYPD is still a subsidiary of governmental structure, right? The NYPD's had an informant who was the right hand man to X, right. and I don't want to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to go too deep into the episodes, but it's, it, it, it is what it is at this point. Uh, this information out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the NYPD, district attorneys didn't even know this man was, like, that far included. Right. But at the shooting at Audubon, there were multiple informants there. Nine. Yeah. Nine informants, Nine and nobody informants. made up. Like, 
you saw these people get up making this commotion and you didn't do nothing. But the fact that the FBI got William Bradley documented as an individual that they knew of. You yeah. couldn't tell me that they didn't like go to Jersey, pick these mans up or decide who we going to use and pull Bradley to the side. I'm just like, yo, we'll make sure you get off. We'll make sure you straight. We'll make sure you walk away. Follow these instructions. When we grab, when we grab, when we grab hair in the front, yeah. stand right there. Mm-hmm. Don't move. Mm-hmm. Act like you're a regular civilian and then walk off. Right. They didn't know Abdurrahman was just going to be like, observing like doing that much research so right. like did the government was they involved yeah i mean what what you what you like what they try to act like people with intelligence gonna turn a blind eye like can't nobody turn a, a blind eye to information like that like right. if somebody can slow it down for us because we it's our, it's the same vein about education and we think people ignorant because you need things what we call dumb down it's not dumb down we need to be seen in a quality that we can like dissect it because that's how our brains analyze things in different right. patterns man bro yeah bro they said what? <laughs> I mean, bro, he had an info. They questioned this man and said, hey, bro, why did you try to revive him? Why did you try to help him? If yeah. the NYPD asking that, of course the F- FBI is up there. And they, but J. Edgar Hoover was tooting, doing the tutu dance. What's yeah. up, bro? Ty- Tyreek, what's your thoughts, man? Yo, honestly, watching the documentary just kind of bring light to a lot of things that – um I've read in the past some information that I've had, conversations that I've had with people who were formerly part of the Nation of Islam, some of my fam- some family members, um, people who are black Israelites. A lot of people knew about this, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this elephant in the room of who really killed him, right? And, and where they where did they come from, right? And so uh, uh, Driver brings up a, a great point about thinking about bringing up um, Jager Hoover, mm-hmm. right? And But we have to look at the systematic history of how he operated. And how this is not something by the time he by the time he gets to Malcolm X, by the time this this whole thing comes to to his head and Malcolm X is assassinated in sixty five, Jacob Hoover been doing this since the nineteen nineteen eighteen. What right? was his first uh his first, first his one? first yeah. major case uh Jacob Hoover started was Bonnie and Clyde, but his first major takedown of a black major leader was Marcus Garvey. Right? And you look at the roots that Malcolm X comes from, his father was a Garveyite preacher. Right. And so a lot of these things aren't talked about, but Jager Hoover had a hand in de- de- dismantling just about every major black movement within this country's history for over 50 years. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it was seen as a threat to national security. Just think about that. It was, it was a threat to white supremacy. Right. Yeah. No, that's I, what, I, that's yeah, what I'm saying. I, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. he saw it as a threat to national security. It's not yeah. white supremacy, national security. No. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess, uh, I think over, yeah, I think over the years, we've been looking at, even with the education system, we've been looking at this kind of like with a, a blanket eye. Like this all been kind of, it's crazy to say, it's kind of been like, it, it, this is the system. There was no other way that you can oppress African Americans without actually like whipping them anymore, being the Emancipation Proclamation. And if we think back to that, that's only really been 155 years because it came out in 1860. Still fresh. Right. Um, if you put two years on it, the reason why we got the 14th, 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment, because like, like, like kind of what you was reiterating right here is like, come on, like if we bring it back to 2020, like, if we have slaves today, 
and somebody in, I don't know, give me somewhere for California signed a bill to be like, yo, let all your slaves go. You mean to tell me all the people in New York finna be like, all right, y'all, just y'all good now. We good. And I think that, that idea in itself has been, it, it, it's just evolved over the years. Like, nah, white people wasn't okay with just being like, okay, y'all, one of us now. So that's the fight that we've been genuinely fighting just to be like equal people. So when you're talking to get into these different organizations and you bring it to 2020, these are have been systematic things that have been put in place that kind of like because we not don't have our own spaces anymore to actually talk about these realities. I mean, this is what we left with, which is why we like this generation, this and that generation, mm-hmm. that. And, and let me just add this. You brought up the Emancipation Proclamation, right? Yeah. And I don't want to get too off topic, but when you really look at this is why it's important to understand the roots of it. Because we, we, we bring up names like we bring up the Emancipation Proclamation, we bring up the 13th Amendment, but we also we bring up names like Abraham Lincoln, right? But people forget that the ultimate goal of Abraham Lincoln was not that he saw or the, the Republicans at that time. It wasn't that they saw black people as human beings. They didn't see us as humans. We are, right, for sure. Mm-hmm. But they didn't see us as that. It was more of he saw it as an opportunity to save the union. Right. Hanging up in the Lincoln Memorial is a quote by him, literally carved in the wall. His goal was not to free black people for the sake of freeing them because he felt like it was immoral oh, to do right. it. Mm-hmm. The oh. goal said his his exact Abraham Lincoln's exact words were, if I can free the slaves to save the union, I would do so. If I can keep the the uh, uh, if I can keep them enslaved to save the union, I will do so. If I need to save some, I'm free some and keep some in slavery to save the union. That's what I will do. The goal was to preserve the union. Right. And so it's this false mindset that proceeds over another 50, 60, 70 years. And that's operated by someone named Jager Hoover, right. who has this idea of saving the union because the, just imagine that us coming together. 20, at that time, Malcolm X said 22 million of us are in this country. Yeah. Us taking our resources, us taking our, our, our ideas and our pop, uh, our manpower and leaving was a threat to national security. This called the black this, nationalism. Right. Right. And it was, it's, it's, it's fascinating how there is so much fear from the white establishment if we actually came together. And did something for real. Right. And I think to tie into that, which kind of like ties into like the political climate of today, mm-hmm. or just ties into the government structures of like anything, you could really never, if you really deep dive into the past life of government, you can never really trust it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, it's hard to really say you trust it for real. Yeah. To be exact on what you were saying, the historical commentary is Georgia and South Carolina told Thomas Jefferson, bruh, we ain't giving up no, like, nah. So the Constitution ain't going to rock if you do that with us. Everybody else is cool. Only Georgia and South Carolina was like, nah, we not rocking. So you decide what you're going to do. If you want this Constitution to work, you better leave us alone. Right. right. So not only did they do that, then you think about the 13th Amendment. It says that everybody is free of slavery except those who are in prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if you think about it, and it's hinted at in TV shows, it's hinted at in movies, first of all, Prison labor, the prison, like the the prison business Mm -hmm. is private sector. Mm -hmm. So within that, within that itself, you got to think 
that I think what they were mostly like what they were afraid of was everything coming to life light with such a movement. Right. A black nationalist movement would stop a lot of your big business right. because if blacks or people of color are not going to jail anymore. You ain't got nobody showing up these clothes and these these bulletproof vests and all this extra stuff that you got people working on inside these prison cells. So I think, like, the Black Messiah movement, like, they were calling him that. Like, this is J. Edgar Hoover's words printed on government documentation. They set this man up to be that. So he so, was just trying to liberate. So now let's let's reel things back in, since we all dived into the root of everything mm-hmm. on where how things started. Now we could all agree that the FBI was behind the murder, the assassination of Malcolm mm-hmm. X. Now, in this day and age, twenty twenty, this new decade, you think that they're capable of doing that one more time, or just again? Done doing, bro. What man? They got so the yeah, word is know. clandestine clandestine signifies the object that when you join the CIA, you are known as a clandestine agent if you make it to that rank, bro. That okay, well, it's a clandestine. Clandestine mm-hmm. I means you're, like, off the marks, like, off the books. Like, it's even, it's difficult for you to even maintain a family life. Your your schedule is strategic. So, like, those, they, and this is more so, uh, they have missions, particular sets of missions, right? Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is we don't know how far the rabbit hole really goes. Think about it. And I'll I'll say this. Are they capable? That's your question. Yeah, are they capable of doing it again? Absolutely. Hell yeah. Yeah. And you look back, and and it's not just about uh, national leaders, right? They're doing this globally, right, and painting people as enemies of the state, right? When you look at history and you look at how there's not just a systematic approach to uh, get rid of people, black leaders, right, black and brown. You look in Africa, Gaddafi. Right. It was like this. When you look at the root of what they were actually doing. Right. Creating a one current, a, a one continent currency for Africa. That was something totally contrary to the, the colonial idea of how can we continue to capitalize off of this particular continent that houses some of the greatest resources in the world. And so if they actually come together and unite. Then this is a problem. So what we need to do is we need to start creating this narrative that he's a monster, that he's evil, that he's doing these vicious things to these people, his own citizens. He's killing them. And we need to make sure that he is eliminated. Mm-hmm. We need to get him out of power because he's actually do like think about even the idea of how they pre- how Fidel Castro is presented to us in history. Right. He's like this yeah, evil yeah. person. Think about just think yeah, about these true. things. Right. To a people, he's a liberator. Right. right. And to, right. A, and, and to a, a group of people, he's a liberator. Liberator. Now, have these men done things that were immoral or like yeah. messed up? Absolutely. But did Abraham Lincoln do the same things to the Native Americans? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. He killed. Like, if you really look at the numbers. Right. It's history is written by the victor. Because Abraham Lincoln was in a position where the Union won the war. They can now write how history is dictated. But had he lost the war, how would we remember Abraham Lincoln? Just like, think about this, and, not, and I'm not bringing it up as an example, like to, as a comparative so much, but we history, imagine if Adolf Hitler had won the war. How would history define him? Mm-hmm. Now, we know the truth mm-hmm. about what he did, right? Absolutely. But had he won, what would history say about Adolf Hitler? And so we have to look at it sometimes how history is presented as though it's written by those who win. 
and it's written by those who have the most power, the most, the most military, the strongest military behind it. And we have been born into a nation that has that. Right. And so, yes, 100% America and the government and the CIA and the FBI and the cent- all the different agencies have the ability and the power and they are currently doing exactly what they've been doing for centuries. I'm about okay, to say, now, go ahead. Now, I'm going to say, just to add, too, like, when you think about some of the films that are created, right, mm-hmm. some of these movies, like, they're theatrical, right, but they're based on something. I watched a film called An Acceptable Loss with Jamie Lee Curtis, Tika Sumpter, which is the most interesting film I've ever seen. She was a high-class security advisor for the vice president, right? And at the time, they got a tip, an anonymous tip, that six high-class, like, terrorist criminals, right, terror criminals are going to be at a location. However, it comes at the expense of 150,000 150, lives if they launched a nuclear strike to take them six people out. They did not have the viable evidence, right? So the movie is flashing back and forth, back and forth of Tika Sumter's life as the advisor, mm-hmm. but her job is trying to really solve the problem and, like, like Knock out, out, out it. No, it, it already happened. Oh, she it happened it. in the, she did it and she got cast out for it. She got a new job as a professor at this college and they was like outside protesting her arrival type shit because she really did like make the lunch. They killed 150,000 people just to take out six lives. Mm-hmm. But what I'm trying to, like what I'm trying to point out is that film ended off with Tika Sumpter's character because she got all the documentation created to give it off because she had to write it. She didn't do no email, no phone, no nothing. She wrote it all in a padlet to send it off to give it to her father, who was the chief editor for his own uh, publication company. They blew that joint up. So They blew the dad up. They blew her up. And the dude that was, like, traveling with her, whose parents was, at like, in the country at the time of the strike. But when you think about something like that, how far are you willing to go? I don't think that's just a theatrical depiction. I think some of those decisions were made. And if you think about it, who's the one president they call out a lot about making those kind of decisions, but because he was a person of color, we let him slide. You know what I'm saying? Right. Mm. So just reeling back in, back to the Malcolm X, uh, who killed Malcolm X. So now we can't totally scratch out the nation of Islam, right? No. They definitely played a hand in, right. in this assassination, right? We all know that. Now here's my question. A person that was not mentioned a lot. Mm-hmm. Was Minister Farrakhan not mentioned at all? Not exactly. So, and clearly through Google search, through articles, Farrakhan had a lot to say mm-hmm. about the way Malcolm X was moving, mm-hmm. his power, his uh, differences between him and Elijah Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Right? Here's my thing: When did? Because me, I I need to know when did this actually stem from? Like, it, were they were they afraid by the? Um, like the power that, because Malcolm X was getting a lot of media attention. Yeah. Right. And we all know that Farrakhan's kid, well, not Farrakhan, uh, Muhammad's uh, children, they were in it for the money. Yeah. They right. started as like six million dollars. Six million dollars, right? But they were giving back to Chicago, right? They were building building businesses and you know uh, providing back, giving back to the people. Now, think, oh, now, oh, here's here's my question though. Back to who really killed, uh, back to who really killed Malcolm X. Who, where did it actually stem from? Because we all knew that Malcolm X saw Elijah Muhammad as a father figure. But when did it actually happen when 
they actually saw Malcolm X, Nation Islam saw Malcolm X as a threat. That's my question, y'all. When did they see when him? When did they see threat? him? At, oh. That's a threat. It's before, because we all know that FBI had Malcolm X tapped since the 50s. From, they well, see, he came back from Mecca. So. No, I, that didn't, because, you know, historically, there's, it's not really talked about, but he went to Mecca twice. Twice, right. And so the first time he went to Mecca with Elijah Muhammad, uh, the, and, and he was seen, Elijah Muhammad actually was not well received in Mecca. Uh, they did not receive him well because right. they listened to his thoughts. They listened to his philosophy about the black Muslim. And they were like, this is kind of contrary a little bit to what it means to actually be a, be a Muslim, where it's not just for black people now. Like there, so Malcolm X was aware of this. Right. Now he had blinders on. When, this is where it really changed, the, the course changed. Around the mid-1950s, around 1956, 1957, where there became a a level of awareness that Malcolm X was getting where he wanted to kind of not just talk religiously, but he wanted to get involved in a social and political, political aspect yeah, yeah. of society. Mm-hmm. And so Elijah Muhammad was aware, like, yo, I'm actually, I'm really religious. I'm, he was pretty religious. And Malcolm X was political. And he began to build the nation of Islam to a point of almost 400,000 members. And it, the, the, the jealousy begin to stir up. Right. But it was always, and this is what if people people miss often in the actual documentary, but also in the book. Elijah Muhammad's oldest son says, this man, Malcolm X, has more privileges in my then father's I, house yep. than I do. That would get just about any anybody son, stirred up, yeah. anybody stirred up. And what, they, what was noted is that when Elijah Muhammad, he loved Malcolm so much, so much, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a sense of jealousy. Of this man is getting too much power. Right. He's getting too much publicity. And it, you see it also in the civil rights movement, right? When you look at some of the books that were written by people like Abernathy and, and Jesse Jackson, some of the things that they said about Malcolm, Martin Luther King after he died uh, years later, right? There was some sense of who's next in the mission, right? Who's the next one to take the lead? People thought they saw what was created for this one man, this platform as a prophet that he was. And they thought that's an office and that's a seat that I want. And so I can't get that until he's gone. And so there goes the the, the quiet jealousy stirring up. Mm-hmm. And soon as there was an op- opportunity to pounce on that and get into Elijah Muhammad's head that this man wants your seat, he's the heir apparent supposedly, and the only way he can become the next is if you're gone. Well, they were filling his head up. Yeah, they were filling oh, Elijah Muhammad's head yeah. up. So it started early. What we saw in 1964, 1965, when he was assassinated, or 1963 to 1965 when he was assassinated, was nothing but the aftermath of stirred up jealousy right. and envy. But yeah, go I ahead, Jamal. Shoot, it's just crazy because that thing, that timeline, just so interesting. If we go back to time, right? Because mm-hmm. that's right around the time Dr. King got killed too, right? So we go back to, I guess, conspiracy or whatever. Like this was around the time where, if we talk in economic like sustainability for the black man that's mm-hmm. when all most of the leaders start to really start to talk about it mm-hmm. so you got dr king gone i think 1964 right no no it was, six, it was 68 68, 68. 68. So he dr. died three king years after three years after so i'm tripping so uh, uh mega uh, evers mega, uh, mega Ever- evers died the wiretapping was on king so, heavy though yeah so, so but like it's like a timeline though it's kind of like over time they, they they got your heavy hitters out of there. And what you notice we got today where nobody actually – over all those years, those were 
probably to today, those three, the were our three main leaders that was mm-hmm. making real moves and making real like missions and movements yeah. and stuff like that, and head, heading those movements. Yeah. So you got your Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton that was with them, but mm-hmm. like if that was the case, why didn't they then you know what I'm saying step into the shoes and lead us too? Right, because they, they they understood what 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 this was like. Oh snap! Like we talking about economics now. And that's what it's all, the white supremacists and all of this really, like, boils down to it stems from. It's like the economics. It ain't even, at this point, we in 22, it got something to do with your race, but it also, it more so got something to do with you taking a piece of my pie right. and trying to keep it for your own, like, for real, for real. So I think in New York, even in being out here, everybody got a piece of the pie. You know what I'm saying? You got your Jewish neighborhood, you got your, you got, mm-hmm. you got everybody that got a neighborhood, but if you look at your black neighborhood, it's like the 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 slums. I'm like, whoa, like that's not normal though. Right. But to us and the people that's growing up in it, that's the norm. And until you get out of spaces like that, you don't really see it. So you you talking about like like Malcolm X, this timeline, it all to me, it just makes sense. Who else want to step out there and j- just to be shot when you know as soon as you're talking about get eighty million dollars or eighty billion dollars to black people, that's the only way we're gonna be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Like, what, bro? If you don't get yourself out here and work as hard, which is why the education system works. Why? Because it's a system that they could put everybody in. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. They could put everybody in this, this one pool of place and be like, yo. Work your way. Work your way. And if you don't work your way. You stuck. Boom. Yeah. And it's, it's one a, place. It's, it's real. So we even, I, I think, like, what what people also, um, at when you look deeper at it, what really happened was there was a flip-flop in terms of the narratives and how they were kind of going about it. Malcolm X and Martin Luther King kind of kind of, kind of changed places a little bit. In society. I never knew they only met once. They only yeah. met, and this is the crazy thing, they only met once. What, and the people, Martin Luther King did not like Malcolm X. Malcolm X actually did not have, he, he did not like the method that Dr. King was What did they presented. call him? That Martin, like Dr. King could have all the bougie black people? Yeah, he could have all the bougie <laughs> black people. But this is the crazy thing. And so when they were actually in D.C. that day uh, uh, for passing civil rights bill and, and Martin Luther King was leaving, Malcolm X, you see that picture with them me shaking yeah. hands? There's a, the story is Martin Luther King is kind of telling his people, like, let's get the hell up out of here. I do not want to talk to that man. I don't want nothing to do with him. And Malcolm X and his people kind of chase down Martin Luther King to go over, hey, and then get that picture. Mm-hmm. And so people see that and they're like, and actually that picture is actually in the FBI file as something that was a top security threat. That if these two men came together, big problems. Oh, yeah. Because and I, when I was in Atlanta doing some research on Dr. King, one of the guys that I met, he was a deacon from Ebenezer Baptist. Uh, he was there as a Ebenezer kid. And all right. Yeah. He was there. He said to me, he said, let me put it to you this way. Martin Luther King was knocking at the front door, trying to get in. Malcolm X was at the back door, kicking it down. They both were trying to, they both were trying to do the yeah, same yeah. exact same thing. thing. And the, the, the idea became if these two men actually do something, because five weeks before, four weeks before he died, he was assassinated. Where was he speaking at? In Selma. He was speaking in, Malcolm X was speaking in Selma while Martin Luther King was in prison. And this is a huge deal because people didn't know that. That was like like a covert operation for him to get in to uh get down there to Alabama and to speak. That was a huge deal that yeah. they had to sneak him in and sneak him out. Because had they found out that yeah. Malcolm X 
<laughs> made his way down to Selma. I think, boy, oh boy. I think one of the <laughs> biggest things that tie into like Jamal's point and your point mm-hmm. is just the fact that it, it's kind of like intended. Yeah. Elijah Muhammad and he stirred like yeah. this whole object of don't lay a hand on this man. But I specific, we specifically saw it on the video and it said, and it was the craziest part that. when he was like, yo, don't, the only, like this is one of my most prized prophets. Mm-hmm. Oh, there it is. This is one of my most prized prophets. And he said that the only way you're going to be able to stop this man is if you kill him. He said it. He said that so lie. He said, this is a real disciple. You're yeah. going to have to kill him. You're going to have to kill him to stop this man. Mm-hmm. So then I think to myself, well, I'm like, well, wasn't that the plug? Like, wasn't that it? Like, because he was like, I never told nobody to ever harm this man. I told you don't lay a hand on him. You're right. You're saying that now. But you said the you made it clear <laughs> in your doctrine a long time ago. The only way you're going to ever stop my most prized prophet is if you would. Kill him. Kill him. What is that? Cut, cut his head off? No, like well, so nah, that was actually. I'm just talking about that reference they made on the clip. Yeah, that was actually said when they were in good, good standing. Like he's talking about how devoted he was as a follower. Right. And until the day he died, Malcolm X saw Elijah Muhammad as kind of the only father that he ever had. Exactly. And so even, cause we didn't even bring up the book yet, the autobiography yeah. written. Yeah. Suppo- Amazing. Now, and I'll say this. I love it's, it. It's supposedly written by Alex Haley. But the final edit was not by him. It was by a major publishing company that Alex Haley worked for. Right? And so the book was actually published after Malcolm X is, is assassinated. And so what people fail to realize is there's a, uh, there's a lot of things that were written in that book that Malcolm X positioned himself to show that he was a devout follower and a beloved son of Elijah Muhammad. No matter the mistakes, no matter anything. And the way he was writing the book, he was talking to Alex Haley. He's positioning as Elijah Muhammad was this, this person who taught him everything. Right. And when people fail, people, we forget to think about the upbringing that Malcolm X had. That he was not a dumb individual. He was very smart. He wanted to be a lawyer. It was just for that white teacher. Exactly. And so he, he was brilliant. And, but the way he talks about Elijah Muhammad as the person who taught him to read, like he taught him how to do all these different things. He's, when you read the book, you look at it, you go, Oh, I see why he wrote this book, why the book was written in this, in this manner. Why he gives so much credit Mm -hmm. to Elijah Muhammad. Because before, until he died. Now, he did say some things publicly. I mean, but there was, had, that was like the last, yeah, last tactic. But of there his. was a lot of things that Malcolm X wanted to tell Elijah Muhammad when he lost, he lost the opportunity to say it. I mean, he tried to reach in through Muhammad Ali. Now, so mm. I'm bringing Muhammad Ali into this. He turned, Muhammad Ma- Ali turned on him. Exactly. Man. Do you, so do you guys agree with what Muhammad Ali did? No, no. not at all. That was so, dirty. but you can't fault him. Shice. And why, why can't you? Because he was blinded. By power, um, he was bl- no, he was blinded by religion. He was blinded by the power of religion. No, no, it's not power. It's not, it has nothing to do with power. Because no, remember they said we look. They looked at Elijah Muhammad like law, like he was the closest thing to and God. That's religion. Right, yeah, that that's is religion. religion. That's not power. power. I said power of religion. Okay, we said the same thing. You just added power in front of it, right? But, because you still got to include that. <laughs> no, because it religion, has its own religion is religion <laughs> no. has been seen as the opium of the masses, so it is powerful in a sense. Like without it's saying, it's better to say influence. Yeah, it's the yeah. influence yeah. of religion, cool. and so he looked at it as, "Yo, Elijah Muhammad is someone who is as like a deity. We are physically able to touch this representation of God." And how dare you? Now he's newly in. Think about when you get into something new. 
you becoming depending on your personality. For me, I'm an, like ex- I'm, I'm an extremist. So mm-hmm. when I get when I get bought into a system, I'm I'm all in, bro. Like, and when I fall out of love with it, I fall out of love. And so think about think about think about right. But everyone's going against different. them at all times, right? So time. <laughs> you have to be aware, which is why that's a good thing too. But then it's also part of it of there's something that you're all in on. Right. And if it's something, if you're not all in on something, then you're not living life to the fullest. All right, now, say they would <laughs> jump in front of a bullet for bro, that. Yeah, they but, would. But that's not just, that's not just, it's, it wasn't just, just Muhammad Ali. It wasn't bro. just Muhammad Ali, but there's some, there's some black people that go to a little store from Baptist church and they would jump in front of a bullet for their pastor. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, this, fair, it's bro. a, it's a, it's a religious aspect and Muhammad Ali was blinded <laughs> by this newfound religion and what? And he, what? <laughs> Bro, there's come a on. lot of people. Yeah, bro, you can't say yeah, a word about some people's pastor, like, bro. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, uh, maybe you I hope that, co- I hope like, that. Maybe we, we, we haven't directly met these people, but, uh, that's extreme. All prevalent, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not, it's, it's not an extreme in that sense. I'm just saying it's an, it's an extreme to go towards, like, people for, uh, for a man. What they believe in. Bro. You right. We, we, it's, there are people who would, behavior, there are right? people like who would shoot for what they believe in. Yeah. There are people who would die for the president. Like, easy. There's people who would die for Farrakhan right now. Without the without the paycheck, without the paycheck. I mean, y'all right. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking about it. This is America, man. Quit playing. It is America. You know, people and Muhammad Ali. I don't fault him for what he did. I think that it was messed up. But for instance, when you look at it, the man that was by your side, it was no, that was dirty. No, 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 no. See, X was X was on his team. That is true. And on his team, because I don't like that. Right, but there was a lot of young minded shit he did. There was manipulation. Young minded shit. From who? Right. From the, what do you mean? Young minded. How old are you? He, I think he was 22. Hey, but if I think he, he was 22. Hold on, hold on, hold on. But even to allow yourself to be manipulated is a young minded thing. We could bring it back in full circle the question. We, we all make mistakes. Do we think Islam was, had, could have potentially had anything to do with the killing? Mm-hmm. That's the same perspective can be applied, like manipulation. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they said it was a. I think prior we was talking, I don't know if this was said in the podcast that they were sharing, uh, he, he he was supposed to be visiting uh, in New Jersey. Then. Oh, yeah. Wants to get in New Jersey. Yeah, even get there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying so. Like, if that's the case, you feel me? Like, it, it could actually be coincidence. Actually, in real life. And so, what if right. those five people were just like you said, the setup? Those five people that they pulled from there, it would make sense. The government pull, pulled from that. It. The government right. would make sense because they worked right? in tandem. Now, right? when you the FBI look, had informants that was with Elijah Muhammad as well. Right. Like they they weren't just tapping Malcolm X. They already had Elijah Muhammad infiltrated. We talking oh, about the But FBI. there were less less than ten people. It was less than ten less, people. Less than ten top. people at and the top. Had a, and it had a high level informant. What they call it the high level high informant. level it was like high it, level. High level infor- now watch this. This is what's also we can't we don't want to miss. We you brought up Farrakhan earlier and you right. brought up the Newark mosque. Right. Now when you look at the government form the documents what happened was there's a huge, there's a, there are moments where the government is hands on and they're stirring the pot, right? When you look at the Black Panther movement, when you look at what happened with Marcus Garvey, like there's legit, what happened with Malcolm X was there's a, there was a understanding from the, the, the FBI that holy crap, we they, just got to sit back and watch this. Right, Cause they want to do it. Yeah. And so what happened was they was already getting ready to take out Malcolm X. There was a, there was a, they were watching it happen. They weren't going to stop it, right? which is why when you look at the level of security that he received, right, a week before he's almost killed, his whole family's almost killed by a bomb in their house that they were fighting for in court. So Elijah Muhammad's like, you don't want to give up the house? 
Nobody gonna have the house. Mm-hmm. I believe that was uh, done by the Nation of Islam. But then you also look at the FBI, knowing these things are happening, and they just sitting back saying, "Okay, so they getting ready to set this man up. They 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 getting ready to do. It's imminent. It's right. an imminent yeah. threat. That was what they would call it. And they they wrote a, a FBI memo saying there's an imminent threat to take this man out. And you know who was a part of it? They talk about the minister from Newark who was very vocal. But uh, was, Jamal Shabazz. Right. But yeah. was also not mentioned in the documentary. And I, I, I'm, I'm honestly trying to figure out why. But I feel like I know why. But I'm not going to mention that right now until later. Get some more evidence to support what I believe. But Farrakhan was not mentioned in the documentary. But people also need to know that at the day that Malcolm X was killed, it was a Sunday. And they were meeting at the mosque in Newark. Mm-hmm. They, the men from Newark went. They killed him, and they all got four of them got back. Right when they got back, there was a, 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 a was a, a a guest minister there at the Newark Mosque from Boston, and that guest minister was Louis Farrakhan, right? Who welcomed the killers back with open arms, and they had a what they would call a celebration, a day of a, a day of celebration, and it was in Israel. And so I think that there's a lot to look at when it comes to how Malcolm X was killed, the reason behind him being killed, and the and the role of religion, and that these men felt that they were doing God's will. Right. Because, That's the crazy thing. Because Elijah Muhammad, um, quote unquote, said, yeah, Jesus. don't put your hand, Jesus. don't put your hand on this man. Don't touch this man, but then the Newark Mosque was able to, right. they were able to just out. take it to another level. But then also it was said that like, well, Bradley wasn't in his right space yet with the religion yet. He was still figuring things out, and I don't want to disclose too much. No. But it, it's just it's because I know y'all ain't finished it yet. Yeah, we but it's it's yet. just it's it's just crazy. Like the hustle, the hustle and bustle of like politics, religion. They all play a role. It's cra- but it's crazy when you talk about one man's murder. That the fact that religion and government got something to do with mm-hmm. it. I think at the same time now that's we, crazy. I think, Both the uh, things you're supposed to believe in. Crazy. Just to round us up, I think Tyreek, I think you should join Abdurrahman and you know bring in uh, Farrakhan on. Uh, See now, this, uh, there's some, there's some, there's honestly some real uh, debate about it, right? There's people who honestly believe that Farrakhan was just as uh, complicit in the murder as other ministers at the time who were they knew what was happening, they didn't stop it. So I don't want to say because I think the nation knew. I think the nation. That's what I'm saying because the nation knew and, and, so, and Farrakhan was a part of the nation. Right. I don't think that Farrakhan's in this position now that he's the face of the nation should be like the sole man held responsible, uh, which is why well, I think that right. he's not brought up much because you don't want to slander that man's name in a sense unfairly. Because he you wasn't know. one of the ones who pulled the trigger. You also right. don't want that smoke. Right. No, you don't. Yeah. You don't want that smoke. You do not want. You do not want that smoke. And, <laughs> and Farrakhan, Louis Farrakhan, is someone who I think he has a lot of positive things he said, and sure. he's done a lot of major. I went to one of his marches. I'm the one, uh, uh, Justice or else. You know, ten, ten, fourteen. I went to that march, and actually, or ten, ten, fifteen. Excuse me. And I participated, and you've seen the people that this man can draw. Like, he can say, I'm doing something right now. He can say, I'm doing a march in September on the Washington Monument, on the, uh, and, and, and millions will be there to hear what he has to say. And I think there's power in that. And I also think that there's power in recognizing, as, as Louis Farrakhan did say, um, in the 1990s, that you also need to be aware of the multiple levels of attack that media can have. Right. Because so. when Malcolm X was killed, 
the, the, the New York Times reported the apostle of hate is finally dead. 30 years later, it's Farrakhan, who was one of the leading men in, a, in black America doing major things. Now he's the one responsible for Malcolm X's murder. Right. And Malcolm X is now resurrected as this messiah. Right. And so there's a lot that goes into it. And I don't want to just throw Louis Farrakhan under the bus, but I do recognize that the nation of Islam had a lot to do with it, man. Definitely. And, and we need to be, and we Definitely. need to be real about it. But the government actually is what is, and one of the ladies said that the white power structure yeah. is what's responsible. Mm-hmm. And, and we can look at the nation of Islam as the, the movers and shakers, or we could look at them as pawns. And the, and the and, and tools as white supremacy. Definitely a pawn. Yeah, so. yeah, go on. Now, uh, listen, we had a strong topic to discuss about today, and we all nailed it. And it was just amazing. And Jamal, I thank you for being on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, you you want to you want to tell you uh, tell our followers something? Tell them your yeah, IG. You know, uh, at underscore fresh. Um, I mean, yo. To be honest, I, I let me cut you book. off. Let me be honest book. with you, bro. If Can it was, yeah, after after I say this, after yeah. the, if it wasn't for our manager, listen, I would have asked you a lot of tough questions, bro. Like, and these guys know how, bro. I got, <laughs> I like getting down, she did get nitty, personal. gritty. Listen, she did get personal. go on with you, go man, on with you, bro. Power Nomics, man. Yeah. Honestly, it's a book that I actually just recently started reading. I think it's relevant to the conversation. I think every black person should be reading. It's called Power Nomics by Dr. Claude Anderson. Um, it really, a lot of the things that we think as African-Americans, the things that are going to push us forward, it's kind of like it affirms a lot of these thoughts that we have and it's more yeah. so like the united front that we all need to just come together and really figure out mm-hmm. how can we educate our home within the system because, mm-hmm. I mean, ain't no breaking this fixed system, man. And I think that's the the, the reality nobody really wants to accept. Right. So, it's, yeah. Boy. Boy. Boy, yep. to, to try to fix this system is to go crazy. It's already set, bro. It's, we years right. in. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you guys for tuning in to episode six. Listen to what we have to say about uh, Malcolm X. Today was a strong topic. Thank you, Jamal, again for joining in on the set. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Ghetto Profits, uh, the Ghetto Profits podcast on IG. Just follow us on Facebook. Also, our YouTube page, and we're on every platform, so please tune in. And don't hesitate with feedback, because we love it. Peace. Peace. God bless.